Welcome to the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving. We provide education and information on senior care topics. Here's your host, Ryan McGinnis. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition, the best podcast thus far of the Caregiver's Toolbox tools for everyday caregiving. My name is Ryan McEniff. I'm your host. I also own a home care company located out in Boston. And today we have a great guest, Sue Haviland. I met Sue through the National Aging in Place Council, which I'm obviously a big fan of. And Sue is a expert in reverse mortgages. She's a specialist with that. She is also a speaker. She's passionate about falls and safety in the home. She's also an author and a coach, and we are honored to have you. Sue, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Ryan, it is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on today. So we we obviously met through the NAIPC, National Aging in Place Council, and um, we were both board members at the time. We're both ex-board members or, or past board members. And, uh, and, you know, that's been great to connect with people because we've um, you've just met so many different people around the country in different walks of life that are all really passionate about trying to help people and educate people in um, in their times of need when they're getting older and declining and, and need a little bit of extra help. And it's great um, that you have that passion for it as well. Oh, thanks very much, Ryan. Yeah, it really is uh, just a special privilege to be able to to assist ho- older homeowners in so many different ways. And, and I'm so thrilled that we met through the NAIPC. It's making great contacts with people such as yourself. It's, that's how we get the word out about everything that we do. Absolutely. And now that I've made my $50,000 ad spot, um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> for the NAIPC. Um, yeah. Oh, dude, they paid us. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's great that, that you're doing that. And then obviously your expertise in the past has been around um, reverse mortgages, which, which there's a lot of mystery around them. There's a lot of concern. There was some kind of shady tactics going on in the long past that probably have been held over and people are concerned about and, and unfortunately kind of... Uh, perception can be reality and things have drastically changed um, when it comes to reverse mortgages. So how did you get into that? What's your background with it? And what should people know about these, uh, these, these products? Well, Ryan, I've been in the reverse mortgage space as an originator, a coach, an author, a manager, a trainer, a speaker, all those great things connected with the reverse mortgage space for over 20 years. And you're right, there's so many myths and misconceptions that we, every once in a while, they kind of surface and we have to tell the real story about reverse mortgages. And the truth is that a reverse mortgage, it's a pretty simple concept. It allows folks, it allows older adult homeowners to take a certain percentage of the value of their home out and turn it into cash. It really is that simple. There's no monthly mortgage payment required, which is why it's a very attractive product to many retirees and pre-retirees. The interest is allowed to accrue on the loan. And as long as the borrower keeps the home in good repair, pays their real estate taxes, pays their homeowner's insurance and any other associated fees, um, perhaps a HOA fee or condo fee, as long as they meet those requirements, the reverse mortgage 
remains in place. So it's really the borrower who determines how long the reverse mortgage um, remains remains active. And one of the biggest myths, the one that I that I hear more often than not is, oh, don't get a reverse mortgage because you're going to lose your house. Well, it's simply not the case. No one is ever putting their home at risk simply because they took out a reverse mortgage. It, it just can't happen. One of the things I find that that does happen is I'll ask, well, do you know someone who lost their home when they had a reverse mortgage? And people will say, oh, yes. And then I hear the story. And the more I hear about it, I find it wasn't the reverse mortgage at all. What happened was they didn't pay their real estate taxes. Uh, all right. That's a, well, you know, those are the things that, you know, like anything, if you have a traditional mortgage, which many people do a 15 or a 30, you know, it's the same thing as a um, and you hear about it right now going on in Florida where you're located, where the insurance premiums are going up. If you have a loan through a bank, they require you to have insurance on the house. And if you don't, then they can, you know, go through their process of doing um doing the things that they need to do to make sure that their investment is insured. And part, I'm sure you get down to the end of that road. Yeah, they can take the house back at some point in time. But if you're not following your obligations and keeping the home up kept and, and paying the dues that are on it, then yeah, it makes a lot of sense that somebody's going to have a problem with their reverse mortgage. Yeah, exactly. And, and to take that one step farther, whether you have a mortgage or not, you have to pay your real estate taxes. That's that's yeah, that's a must. So that's that's the kind of thing where, uh, you know, we hear these stories and they're kind of retold over and over again. And then when I drill down to the basics, I get to the truth. One of the other myths and misconceptions is that the adult children are going to be against mom and dad getting a reverse mortgage. And in my experience, that's simply not the case, because once the adult children understand the protections and the benefits of the reverse mortgage, they really want what's best for mom and dad, and they're actually quite in favor of it. So these are the kind of things that, you know, when I sit down and have what I call that kitchen table talk, these are the topics that we're discussing. Yeah, and and people, as we know with the NAIPC, and part of it is education and being a resource, is people are not necessarily learning about these options until time is of the essence. And then they're 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 quickly getting trying to drink from the fire hose of information versus if they have the the wherewithal to say hey listen mom's turned 70 or 75 whatever that that number is or mom's starting to decline we really need to know what our options are so we plan for the future then um then you you probably feel people would feel a little bit more confident in the decisions that are being made um absolutely we always want people to be informed but one of the things that that happens in connection with the reverse mortgage process. And this is something I really like. A reverse mortgage is not a Band-Aid. This is not a short-term solution. It's really meant for folks who want to stay in their home over the long term. And part of the process of getting a reverse mortgage is the mandatory counseling. All reverse mortgage borrowers, non-borrowing spouses, and anybody else on title to the house is going to need to participate in a mandatory counseling session. And that does a couple of things. It gives the information to the borrower. It allows them to ask any questions of that counselor. I tell people, you know, feel free, ask those questions, bring those trusted advisors onto the counseling session as well, other family members or friends who are helping you. 
That way they're getting all the information. It is um, that the counselor is available to answer those questions and everybody gets that sense of, okay, now I'm really, really understanding the process and how it's going to benefit me. And that's the most important thing. Everybody's case is different. So how is the reverse mortgage going to help you? Absolutely. And and what, what I find in the home care world is that you're having more and more people that are maybe not cash rich, but they're they're house rich. They have the assets, right? The pension and the social security and the the moderate savings they have maybe pay for the the daily living expenses. But once you start bringing in home care or looking at assisted living, for example, either way that money is coming from the same asset. Either you're selling the house to get the money to pay for assisted living, or you get a, can get a reverse mortgage and keep mom in the home. Um, and so, you know, people, we're finding more and more people are using reverse mortgages for that reason, because in the Boston area, at least, it, these houses have skyrocketed in value and even something from the outside that maybe doesn't look as move and ready, we'll call it, as people would like buying it. There's still close to a million dollars in value because of the plot of land that they're on, the town that they're in, and it's a desirable area and they can stay there for a, a long period of time. And as you well know, Ryan, in-home care is one of the most popular uses for reverse mortgage proceeds. We know people want to stay in their homes. Um, survey after survey and study after study has shown that resoundingly we get that message. Yes, I want to stay in my home as long as I possibly can. So absolutely, why not take some of those reverse mortgage funds and use that toward paying for that in-home care? And when you think about it, our families are scattered all over the country. So everybody can't just drop what they're doing and be there to take care of mom or dad every week. Sometimes that's just not possible. So why not use those funds for in-home care? It, the family then feels confident that mom and dad are being looked in on. They're getting that care. They're getting that assistance that they need. And perhaps in conjunction with the home care, maybe we take a look at make, making some renovations to the property to make it more aging and place friendly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a win-win and that's something that probably should be done before home care. Um, you know, quite frankly, as much as I, I prefer not to admit this, you know, home care is the most expensive service out there for the most part, right? You know, you're paying $40, $45 an hour and and you're you're going to be spending a lot of money to have somebody in the home for eight hours a day, seven days a week, or whatever that is. If it's twenty four, it's even more money. Um, and if you can take some of that reverse mortgage um, funds that you have and modify your home so that you can live on the first floor, and you're able to not have to use the stairs, and and you save you save the need to get a stair lift or those types of things, then you will be able to maybe be able to hold off on using home care for a while longer because you've mitigated the risk of going up and down stairs and the, the falls that can happen with that. Um, and, it, you know, and it's, it's, it's tough because I think this is kind of the psychology behind it. It's hard to spend money to see a perceived benefit down the road versus it's easier to be, hindsight's 2020 like we should have we should have modified the home for 50 grand and then we wouldn't be spending 15 20 thousand dollars with ryan every single month i mean three months later we're already at 50 grand or more um but yeah i mean those are the types of things where you get access to that money it's better to spend a lot but it's still less 
now to prevent what could be coming down the road in the future. So, I mean, that's where having a reverse mortgage and access to those funds is really helpful. So I'm um, trying to be unbiased here and saying, I think people can probably avoid um, home care for a little while longer if they modify their homes with a reverse mortgage. Well, and the other thing, Ryan, that we don't talk about enough, I believe, is kind of in this whole aging in place plan. Uh, you know, home care is a piece, home modification is a piece. But let's say that we look at the property and we say, you know what, the, the modification, you know, that would be great, but it's really not going to solve the whole issue. Maybe the best solution is for that particular client to look at selling their current home. And in case you didn't know, you can purchase a home with a reverse mortgage. So perhaps the best option is for that that client to sell the current home, purchase a new home, maybe it's one level living, maybe it's a condominium, whatever works best for them. And now this really is part of an overall aging in place plan. And then if they need to bring in home care down the road, at least we know that the property that they're in is going to make sense over the long term. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think about you could buy another house and then what you would rent out the current home or something like that and be able to to have whatever income to, to do that. But yeah, there's a lot of different options that you can do. Um, I know in the Boston area, that's been difficult in downsizing because to downsize, it costs as much money or if not more to buy the new place as it does to, you would get from the old place that you had. And that's a, that's a kind of a, uh, people find themselves handcuffed a little bit that they want to stay local to family members, but they can't afford what the new house will be. But again, I'm Boston area, and there's a big country here where a lot of people can do a lot of things. And if you're willing to move an hour away, you probably can find something far more affordable. So there's certainly a lot of options when it comes to that. But you're certainly talking about overall kind of a holistic view of like, how do we keep somebody safe in the home outside of just using home modifications and, and home care services? Exactly. And that's the way I try to view the reverse mortgage. It's one tool in the toolbox and you look at it and say, okay, how can we use this to affect some of these other, um, these other issues that we need to deal with when we're creating an aging in place plan? The reverse mortgage is the funding vehicle for what, the, what that client needs to accomplish. And whether it's home modification, uh, whether it's just, just maybe sometimes improving that monthly cash flow a little bit. Uh, sometimes they wanna get rid of those high interest credit cards that have been nagging them for a while. They just want those off their plate. Pay off that current mortgage so they don't have a mortgage payment every month. Just many, many uses for a reverse, but it comes down to what does that particular client want? And that's where we get them thinking about not only their short-term goals, but over the longer term as well. Yeah, it makes sense. And and it's I, I definitely see there being a resurgence in the folks that are using that that as a funding vehicle just because of the amount of equity they have now in their homes. And it makes a lot of sense to do that because, you know, otherwise, you know, you're 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 looking at, you know, moving in with loved ones and that's can be disruptive. Nobody wants to go to a nursing home. So that's off the table. So, you know, it allows you to kind of open up a lot of avenues of options on what you want to do. Absolutely. So, it's part of a holistic discussion. And so that kind of dovetails a little bit into your other passion, which is, you know, fall, fall safety and fall prevention and um, obviously, that's a big thing with seniors, whether you have dementia, that's a big 
um, problem with somebody who has memory care issues or somebody that's just declining being in the home, you know, you're, you're at risk of having falls. That's something you talk about and do a lot of speaking about and something you're passionate about as well. Absolutely, Ryan. And it, and it was kind of born, my passion for fall prevention was kind of born out of having those kitchen table talks where I would be uh, speaking with some potential clients and I'm looking around the house and thinking, wow, okay, we, we need to make some changes around here. And according to the CDC, one in five falls is going to cause some type of serious injury. So if you think about that, the way I look at that is the best aging in place plan. You can have the greatest plan in place. One fall can derail that entire plan and suddenly everything you've worked for is now not going to be possible. And the one takeaway when we do our fall prevention presentations and talks, the one thing we want folks to walk away with is Falls are not a normal part of aging. If you're falling, there's a cause. So we talk about the various risk factors that someone might have and what we can do to mitigate those risk factors. Yeah, and so, you know, and it's a big, it's it's a, a what they call the big, big hairy issue there because it's just this, um, nobody wants to admit that they're a fall risk. You know, if they fall once, they're, was just a one-time thing, which we know that the best indicator of future falls is past falls. Um, it, it can be really difficult to have that conversation with a loved one and say, hey, listen, this is, this is going to be a problem down the road until there's been multiple falls. Have you cracked that code in any way of saying, hey, listen, how do you get mom or dad to accept, hey, listen, you're getting older. Yes, you haven't had any major falls yet, but like we're we're talking, our timeline isn't 50 years, our timeline's three, two, three, four, five years. How about we do things now to mitigate that risk? Absolutely. One of the things we do, Ryan, when we do our big room presentations is, and, and the hands start going up because we will ask those questions. We get people to answer and we'll, we'll say, you know, have you fallen or do you know someone who has fallen? And some hands go up. And then we start talking about the risk factors and we say, you know, every risk factor is not going to apply to every single person, but we just get them thinking about such things as medication side effects. We ask them who in the room has their medication list with them? Is it updated? Is it accurate? Well, some people will say, well, I have one, but I don't have it with me. Well, you should carry it at all times because you, you may be somewhere and you're at a doctor's appointment. Well, every single physician that you visit needs to know all of your medications, current dosages, so they can uh, make recommendations on any adjustments or any new medications. We also encourage people to use one pharmacy whenever possible because they can then get to know that pharmacist, have a relationship with that pharmacist. We also talk about things like getting vision and hearing checked. Those can be huge. There could be an inner ear, a vestibular system problem. You know, what's going on? Get those things taken care of. We talk about such things as fall as faulty footwear. I mean, I'm in Southwest Florida. It's a flip-flop world, but flip-flops are not the best footwear. So we talk about that as well. I, I actually walk around the room and I'll say, oh yeah, I'm seeing a lot of flip-flops around here. So those are the kind of things that we talk about and then we focus on the home. Because as we know, 60% of the falls occur in the home. 
And once someone has fallen even one time, now they're afraid of falling again. As you mentioned, somebody who's had multiple falls, well, they're afraid of falling again. So what are they going to do? What they do is they end up sitting on the couch. And that's not what we want. So we want to encourage people to talk about it, ask questions, let their family know, let their physician know. And this is where we talk about some of the changes that we can do in and around the home. 60% of falls occur in the home, 70% of those in the bathroom. Yeah, absolutely. And, and your medication point is, it hits home. Like my, my dad has always taken low blood pressure medication and he had a fall a couple, a month ago, two months ago. And uh, they think the fall was because his blood pressure medication was doing too good of a job. So when he got up out of bed, you know, he, 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 you know, usually when the older you get, technically you're supposed to like, you know, sit up for a minute or so, you know, count it back for 60 and then get back up. But they were like, well, maybe you don't have as high a blood pressure needs as, as you did. And the medication's causing your blood pressure to drop too much, you know? So, you know, just because somebody has been on medication for a very long time, and I don't remember a time when my dad wasn't on that medication going back to when I was a little kid, um, doesn't necessarily mean that, it's a new, I guess my point is it doesn't necessarily mean it's a new medication that's been introduced. It could be an existing medication that's been there the whole time. And then all of a sudden it's, it's doing too good of a job or um, is causing some type of reverse um, rea uh, an adverse reaction with, with the individual. But um, your, your points are very, are very true. And one of the, the concerns that we have in general is that if the, the fall is bad, but then to add salt to the wound is that you really want somebody to be there within that golden hour, right? And the problem that a lot of people have, and, and people think I'm joking around or, or maybe I'm being um, somewhat facetious about this, but like it happened to my dad's neighbor. I was down there last year and he mentioned that his neighbor was on the ground for three days after a fall. Because, oh because nobody checked on him. No, and then somebody was walking by a neighbor and saw like three or four days of newspapers piled up, knocked on the door, didn't get an answer, called the police, and then they showed up. And so, you know, the problem that people should take away from this is, is that, you know, the golden golden hour is not just with seniors, it's with any medical issue that if somebody is in a hospital and it's being seen by somebody within 60 minutes of the issue happening, the chances that their their survival and they're going to they get better is much, much higher. And so if somebody's on the ground for 24 hours, that's a real problem. And that's going to lead to a longer emergency sit-day room, longer laying in bed where they lose muscle, not fat. You know, they're not getting any sleep. They're stressed out. And then they come home and what are they? They're an even bigger fall risk than they were when they before they went into the hospital when maybe all they did was slip out of their bed or slip out of their chair a slow fall that caused no damage but if you're on the ground for 24 hours or 48 hours you're going to be dehydrated you're going to need to be seen by a doctor it's it's a real problem you know ryan that you just raised a couple of really really important points the low blood pressure we do talk about that a lot too, because everybody thinks about high blood pressure, but as you say, maybe the medication was working too well. Um, but your idea about, um, uh, you know, being aware, uh, maybe being aware of the neighbors, check on the neighbors. My mom's 93 and still lives in her own home. Her neighbors know that if her front door isn't open by a certain time, you know, maybe, maybe they need to go knock on the door. We also encourage people to carry their cell phones in their pocket all the time. 
Because think about this, if you fall, let's say you fall in your kitchen and your cell phone is up on the counter and you can't get up. Well, you know, what, what's going to happen there? So just, just there, there are some, some really easy things that folks can do checking for those uh, scatter rugs that we love to have on the floor. You know, the last thing we want is somebody going on a magic carpet ride. We want to make sure that those are on the floor if they're there at all, if you can get rid of them, get rid of them. Um, things like electrical cords, even pets, pets can be underfoot. And the next thing you know, oh, the, the dog is running around and, and someone has fallen and, you know, tripped over the, the dog that they didn't realize was coming into the room. So just lots of common sense things that we can do to make our homes um, maybe not fall proof, but just a little bit better and reduce that risk of falls. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that is the funny kind of ironic thing with pets too, is that, you know, when you get older, you don't want a, a, a lab because they're big, they're strong, you know, like, but what are the pets that are causing people to trip? It's a little chihuahua that you don't see that's six inches tall or 12 inches tall that you didn't notice versus you would have noticed the golden retriever. So right. it's, it's right. kind of the irony of that. Um, but yeah, we 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 we've had that struggle in the past before of like mom's fallen over the cat multiple times, and it's like the cat is is not going anywhere. So if mom falls, then so be it. We but we we've 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 tried to you know cross that bridge, and we failed miserably. So <laughs> but okay, so so mom's not going to get rid of the cat. We know this. What can we do? to deal with that situation. And they said, you're right, the small dogs. Okay, what can we do? It's all about being aware, being aware of our surroundings. We also talk about motion-centered censored nightlights. We feel that no one should get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and have to cross a dark room to get to the bathroom. So what can we do about that? It's thinking about thinking about things like that, that like I say, things that are that are easy to do, but they could have a big impact. Absolutely. And, uh, and yeah, those are, those are all things that are, are super helpful. I mean, just having lighting and having clear lighting is just so important versus that one little lamp that barely lights up the room. Like, you know, make sure that there's plenty of light in there, make sure that they're the hit, hit tripping hazards are gone. Make sure there's, it's not, it's not full of clutter and things like that. And it's, it's amazing um, what a little bit of proactive, uh, being proactive and doing a few small things. I mean, grab bars, like it, we're not even talking about home modifications in my eyes. I know it technically, but you, you put grab bars everywhere you humanly can. Now they make them decorative and they look nice too. They're not like just a normal grab bar. And you know, the, they've saved so many falls before by having somebody grip something where they usually don't have a grip, whether walk into the bathroom and maybe it's a longer hallway and there's nothing to hold on to. And, it's just unbelievable. Some simple things that are relatively low cost can avoid major problems down the road. That's right, Ryan. And you just made me think of something else when you said the grab bars and going down a long hallway. And yeah, you're right. They can, the aesthetics, they, everything looks really nice now. So if somebody was worried about, oh, you know, it's going to make my home look not as nice or not have the feeling that I want, you know, you can get those things. But also we talk about assist, assistive devices. If anyone is listening here today that uses a cane or a walker, number one, please use it. 
It doesn't do any good in the closet or in your trunk. I got my got my mom on that one. I said, where's your walker? Oh, it's in the trunk. Okay, not, you know, not what we want. And so, so use that assistive device and also walkers need to be fitted to the person. Um, it's wonderful that your neighbor lent you their walker that they don't need anymore, but let's make sure that it's properly fitted. Um, I see people, you know, just kind of leaning over on their walker and, and then they're looking down, they're not looking up. And once again, so then you lose that, lose that awareness. You're not aware of your surroundings, but use those assistive devices. Absolutely. And um, yeah, use it or, or suffer the consequences of it, right? So it's, it's, it's just important to be able to, um, you know, again, it may not be your favorite thing in the world to use the walker, use the cane, you know, because it's signaling you're having troubles with things, but it's certainly better than being in an ER room. That a hundred percent. And once again, just these little things, all these things we've talked about, there are little changes that someone can make to significantly reduce their fall risk. Absolutely. So, and then you do a lot of speaking and educating. Where do you generally do that? Is that just in the Florida area? Do you travel throughout the country doing your speaking events? How does that work? Um, I can travel. I can do virtual events. Um, whatever, whatever an organization is looking for, they can certainly reach out to me. And uh, let's see if we can uh, we we can put something together. It can be on the use of home equity for retirees. It can be on fall prevention, other aging in place type of topics. I'm happy to talk to any organization or group that would like to have a presentation. Awesome. Well, how do people, how does we wrap up? How do people reach out to you, Sue? Uh, I'll give you my direct number. It's 443-677-0389. Reach out to Sue for all your, uh, your, your needs with that type of education on falls and reverse mortgages and everything in between. Um, anything else, any last parting thoughts, Sue, that you have for the folks or um, anything you'd like to let them know? Ryan, thank you so much for having me on today and letting us share this really important information. I hope that folks who are listening have taken away maybe a nugget or two that will help them improve their lives. Thank you so much, Sue, for being on the program. And thank you so much to everybody listening to Caregiver's Toolbox. We'll catch you on the next